Good morning, everyone. And if everything goes well, then this good morning greeting in Christ is not only to those whom I see here up in KL, but also to the many more of you in Singapore, at Fort Canning or online. The Lord is with you and also with us. Of course, as Bishop, I am also very happy and privileged to be able to bring you greetings from your 45 sister Methodist churches in Singapore. I have been told that your Wesley Church theme this year is on being a family, God's family. And so I have chosen four adjectives to describe the kind of family that I think the God of the Bible wants us to be. I will base all four reflections on passages in the book that we call Isaiah. Today I reflect with you on Isaiah 56 and the theme of being an inclusive family. We begin by reading God's word in Isaiah 56, verses 1 to 8. Let's pray before we read. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your written word. May your Holy Spirit speak to us through this portion of your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read the word of the Lord together. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Look again with me at verse 3. There were two groups of people in the days of Isaiah 56 who were feeling excluded by the temple or church family. Foreigners and eunuchs. And for some reason, the foreigner who was committed to God felt excluded and unwanted by God. These foreigners said, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. 
I wonder why they would think this. After all, God himself describes them as people who were committed or bound to God. They were not people who didn't care about God. They were bound to God, connected to God. They committed themselves to God. And yet, for some reason, they felt excluded from God and God's family. They felt themselves to be, at best, second-class or maybe even third-class members in God's family. So God here tries to make them feel fully welcome and fully included as members of his family. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Let's pray that no foreigner who seeks God's will will ever have to say or feel that they are excluded by God or God's people in Wesley Methodist Church. Let everyone and anyone who wants to pray, who wants to be more connected or bound to God, may they feel very welcome and included at Wesley Methodist Church. Who was the foreigner in the context of Isaiah 56? Well, on one level, a foreigner was someone who was not a Jew. Just like we in Singapore might define a foreigner as someone who was not a citizen of Singapore. So a foreigner in Isaiah's day might be someone who was not a citizen of Israel or Judah. They were citizens of other nations, non-Jewish nations. The end of verse 7 in this same paragraph hints at this understanding of foreigner. God wants us to be inclusive. And so his temple or his house or his church should be a house of prayer for all nations not just for the Jewish or Israelite nation. And maybe for us, the foreigner should refer not only to people who are not Singaporean citizens, but also to Singaporeans who are not members of the Christian nation or church. I suggest this application for two reasons. Firstly, in the days of Isaiah, the Jews regarded their whole nation as being uniquely the chosen people of God. To be a Jew meant to be part of God's chosen nation. A foreigner was not a Jew. And so a foreigner would feel that he was not a member of God's chosen nation or people, the Jews. But here in Isaiah 56, God tells such foreigners that they should not feel excluded from his family, his people. God wants foreigners to feel welcome, to enter the Jewish temple to pray, even to offer sacrifices of worship. God's house, God's family, should be a house of prayer for all nations, all foreigners. So for us today in the church, perhaps the foreigner refers not only to people who are not Singaporean citizens, but also to Singaporeans who are not members of the Christian church or Christian nation. Foreigners are those who feel excluded, not fully included or welcomed in the church or Christian family. Someone who in some way feels foreign or strange to Christians and church life. 
And that leads me to a second reason why I think we should extend the meaning of foreigner here in Isaiah 56 to include not just non-Jewish citizens, but any whom we regard as foreign or strange. The Hebrew word used here in Isaiah 56 verses 3 and 6 literally means strange or alien. It is used in the Bible not so much to refer to non-Jewish citizens, but to strange or alien lifestyles. For example, the word is used to describe strange or foreign gods, not the one Jewish god. It is used of strange women who have abandoned their friends. Job uses it to describe how he feels like a stranger or estranged from his own servants and friends. Strange people were those who felt and were felt by most in society to be strange, different, or estranged. If God wanted simply to speak about people who were non-Jewish citizens, God could have used a very common term for a permanent resident, a ger or gerim, someone who was not a Jew or full Israelite citizen who resided and worked in Israel. Or God could have used another common way of referring to non-Jewish citizens, a goy or goyim. This literally means nation or nations. It's a popular Jewish way of describing someone who comes from another nation, a non-Jewish, non-Israelite nation. This word is a bit like how some universities today use the term international students instead of foreign students. Or how some airports use the term internationals instead of aliens. We saw how Isaiah 56 verse 7 used this word to say that all nations should be allowed to pray in his temple. But there is a third and much less polite word that was used to describe foreigners, a nekar, someone who is literally strange or alien. Aliens are regarded as being very different from us, like an alien from another world with habits and customs and values that are foreign or alien to us. And God uses this strange word in our Bible passage. But God does not use it to be impolite or to make foreigners feel unwelcome. He uses it because he knows that there are many people who do feel unwelcome and excluded, as if they were regarded as aliens from another world. And God says to them, Please do not feel excluded or estranged from me or from my family. You are most welcome. I want you to feel included. And don't you think God would want us today to be equally welcoming and inclusive? We should be especially careful to welcome and include those whom the majority in society might regard as being somewhat strange or alien. We should be especially welcoming and inclusive towards those who themselves feel excluded and unwelcome by God's church family. Let no strange or alien person who is bound to the Lord say, 
the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Anyone who is bound to the Lord should feel welcomed and included, and they should be made to feel fully welcomed and included. But how should we define a person or describe a person who is bound to the Lord? Isaiah 56 verses 1 and 2 give us the answer. They are persons who are committed to maintaining justice, treating people fairly. People who do what is right. People who try their best to relate in good and right ways with everyone. They are people committed to the Sabbath principle of giving everybody, including their servants, time to rest from work and find refreshment for their souls. To be committed to the Sabbath law is to understand that life is more than work. Work is not meant to be continuous or oppressive. When work becomes our God, then we end up oppressing ourselves and our families and our colleagues. Or as verse 2 describes those who ignore the Sabbath law, we end up with our hands doing evil or inflicting harm. This is how Isaiah 56 defines the person who is bound to the Lord. He may or may not be a Jew. He may or may not be committed to Jewish diet and kosher food laws. He may or may not seem normal. He may seem alien or strange in many ways. But if he is bound to the Lord, if he is committed to treat people fairly and relate rightly with everybody, if he promotes the principle of Sabbath rest for himself and for his colleagues, if he does not bring harm and evil upon himself or his family or his office, such a person, all such persons, whether Jewish or not, whether Christian or not, all such persons should feel welcome and included in God's family. They should never have to say or to feel, I am excluded from being a part of God's family. Even if we or they themselves feel very different and alien in their lifestyle or dressing or customs. Isaiah 56 gives us a second description of someone who might feel alienated or excluded from God's family. Look at the end of verse 3. Persons who are eunuchs. Who or what are eunuchs? Well, on a simple physical definition, a eunuch is someone who has been castrated. His reproductive organs have been cut off. They no longer work. Now, a few persons could have been born like this. Or because of what we today call prostate cancer, some people may end up becoming eunuchs. More commonly in ancient days, some slaves were castrated against their wills. They could then be assigned to look after the queen or the king's harem without fear of them fathering a child who might then be mistaken for the king's son or heir. But we should think beyond the mere physical definition of a eunuch. Notice the particular feeling of insignificance and perhaps shame 
which Isaiah 56 verse 3 highlights. Let no eunuch complain. I am only a dry tree. Eunuchs here are people who feel dry and dried up, withered and unproductive, barren. Eunuchs would never be able to have children, and so they would have no children to carry on the family name. Their family line would come to an end. They might be forgotten, a family that no longer exists. But no, look at what God promises to the eunuchs who try to please God. Verse 5, I will give the eunuchs something better than sons or daughters who can preserve the family name. I will give them a name and a memorial that will last forever. They will never be forgotten. Let me comment on the phrase which our English translations render as a memorial and a name. In Hebrew, this phrase is Yad Vashem. This is the verse and the phrase which was chosen as the name of the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, Yad Vashem. The museum exists in order to try and fulfill Isaiah 56 verse 5 to make sure that the six million or more who were killed in the Holocaust will never be forgotten. Over one and a half million of those who were killed were children. So many family bloodlines would have ended because of this terrible Holocaust. But God's promise of a Yad Vashem, a memorial and name that will endure forever, is the museum's way of trying to preserve and to remember every single family name forever. Now, any comparison to the horror of the Holocaust would be inadequate and inappropriate. But when Isaiah 56 first used this phrase, it spoke to the sense of loss and shame of the eunuch a person who feels that his life and productive significance has been cut off. Anyone who feels dried up and excluded from any meaningful future. No family, no future, no name, no life. To all who feel like this, the God of Isaiah 56 says, don't feel like that. You feel ashamed and useless because you have no family? I will give you something better than sons and daughters to carry your name into the future. I will give you my family name, a name that will be remembered forever. May Wesley Methodist Church be an inclusive, welcoming family to foreigners and eunuchs, to all who feel like foreigners, strangers, out of place, excluded, alienated, to those who feel like eunuchs, dried up, unproductive, no family and no future. It's odd, isn't it? Even the inclusive term church family 
can make many people feel excluded or alienated. Jerry avoided attending church family camps because he thought that family meant couples who had children. Jerry was single and with no real prospect nor desire to be married or to have kids. So he felt sure that a church family camp was only for those who had families. He felt excluded and avoided signing up for church camps. There are so many different Jerry's in our world who feel excluded and unwelcome for many, many different reasons. If any of you listening in from Singapore are not up here with us because you feel a little like Jerry, I hope next time you will join your church family at camp and not feel excluded. It would perhaps be impossible for any single church to develop welcoming, inclusive ministries to address all the many, many different reasons why people feel excluded and unwelcome. There are singles, mothers with toddlers, single parents, the visually impaired, the hearing impaired, children or adults with special needs, recovering alcoholics, drug addicts, sex workers, ex-offenders. The list is endless. But every single church ought to try to include a special welcome to at least one group of persons who in our society feel like strangers or eunuchs, excluded from a full sense of belonging in the family of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if more people thought of the church family not as an exclusive country club for the rich and the successful, but as an inclusive, welcoming family, especially for those who feel marginalized by the majority in society. Let me close by sharing the testimony of a Christian brother who tried to present God's church as a family that welcomed people who felt ashamed and excluded. He tells his story in the book, The Kingdom of God is a party. He had flown into Honolulu on an international flight. It, it left his biological time clock all messed up. And so he found himself wide awake at 3 a.m. in the morning. He decided to go out and see if there was any 24-hour coffee place near his hotel. Let me read his testimony. Up a side street, I found a little place that was still open. I went in, took a seat on one of the stools at the counter, waited to be served. This was one of those sleazy places that deserves the name Greasy Spoon. I did not even touch the menu. I was afraid that if I opened the thing, something gruesome would crawl out. But it was the only place I could find at 3 a.m. The fat guy behind the counter came over and asked me, What do you want? I said I wanted a cup of coffee and a donut. He poured a cup of coffee, wiped his grimy hand on his smudged apron, and then he grabbed the donut off the shelf behind him. I'm a realist. I know that in the back room of that restaurant, donuts are probably dropped on the floor and kicked around. But when everything is out front where I could see it, I really would have appreciated it if he had used a pair of tongs and placed the donut on some wax paper. As I sat there munching on my donut, 
sipping my coffee at 3.30 in the morning. The door of the diner suddenly swung open and to my discomfort, in marched eight or nine provocative and boisterous prostitutes. It was a small place and they sat on either side of me. Their talk was loud and crude. I felt completely out of place and was just about to make my getaway when I overheard the woman beside me say, Tomorrow's my birthday. I'm going to be 39. Her friend responded in a nasty tone. So what do you want from me? A birthday party? What do you want? You want me to get you a cake and sing happy birthday? Come on, said the woman sitting next to me. Why do you have to be so mean? I was just saying it, that's all. I wasn't asking for anything. I don't expect you or anybody to throw me a birthday party. I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. I sure don't expect one now. When I heard that, I made a decision. I sat and waited until the women had left. And I called over the fat guy behind the counter and I asked him, Do they come in here every night? Yeah, he answered. The one right next to me, does she come here every night? Yeah, he said. That's Agnes. Yeah, she comes in here every night. Why do you want to know? Because I I heard her say that tomorrow is her birthday. What do you say that you and I, we do something about that? What do you think about us throwing a surprise birthday party for her right here tomorrow night? I'll pay for everything the decorations, the cake, the drinks. A cute smile slowly crossed his chubby cheeks and he answered with measured delight, you pay for a party here? That's a great idea. Calling to his wife who did the cooking in the back room, he shouted, hey, come out here. This guy's got a great idea. Tomorrow is Agnes's birthday. This guy wants us to help him throw a birthday party for her right here tomorrow night. His wife came out of the back room, all bright and smiley. She said, that's wonderful. You know, Agnes is one of those people who is really nice and kind, and nobody does anything nice and kind for her. I said, it's settled then. I'll come back here tomorrow morning around 2.30, and I'll decorate the place. I'll bring the birthday cake. No, said Harry. That was his name. The birthday cake's my thing. I'll make the cake. At 2.30 the next morning, I was back at the diner. I had picked up some crepe paper decorations at the store and had made a sign out of big pieces of cardboard that read, Happy Birthday, Agnes. I decorated the diner from one end to the other. I had that diner looking good. The woman who did the cooking must have gotten the word out on the street because by 3.15, every prostitute in Honolulu was in the place. It was wall-to-wall prostitutes and me. At 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swung open and in came Agnes and her friend. I had everybody ready. After all, I was kind of the MC of the affair. And when they came in, we all screamed, Happy Birthday! Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted, so so stunned, so shaken. Her mouth fell open. Her legs seemed to buckle a bit. Her friend grabbed her arm to steady her. 
As she was led to sit on one of the stools along the counter, we all sang happy birthday to her. As we came to the end of our singing with happy birthday, dear Agnes, happy birthday to you, her, her eyes moistened. And then when the birthday cake with all the candles on it was carried out, she lost it and just openly cried. Harry gruffly mumbled, Don't cry, Agnes, just blow out the candles. Come on, blow out the candles. If you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to have to blow out the candles. And after an endless few seconds, that's what Harry did. He blew out the candles. Then he handed her a knife and told her, Cut the cake, Agnes. Yo, Agnes, we all want some cake. I baked it. Agnes looked down at the cake. Without taking her eyes off it, she slowly and softly said, Look, Harry, is it all right with you if I... If I mean, is it okay if I kind of... What I want to ask you is, is it okay if I just keep the cake a little while? I mean, is it all right if we don't eat it right away? Harry shrugged and answered, Sure, it's okay. If you want to keep the cake, keep the cake. It's your cake. Take it home if you want to. Can I? She asked. Then looking at me, she said, I live just down the street a couple of doors. I want to take the cake home, okay? I want to show it to my mum. I'll come right back, honest. She got off the stool, picked up the cake, and carrying it like it was the Holy Grail, walked slowly toward the door. As we all just stood there motionless, she left. When the door closed, there was a stunned silence in the place. Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, Is it okay if I say a prayer for Agnes? Looking back on it now, it seems more than strange for someone to be praying with a, bunch, with a bunch of prostitutes in a diner in Honolulu at 3.30 in the morning. But it just felt like the right thing to do. I prayed for Agnes. I prayed for her salvation. I pray that her life would be changed and that God would be good to her. And when I finished, Harry leaned over the counter and with a trace of hostility in his voice, he said, Hey, you never told me you were a preacher. What kind of church do you belong to? I replied, Me? I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for sex workers at 3.30 in the morning. Harry waited a moment and then almost sneered as he answered, huh, No, you don't. There's no such church like that. If there was, I'd join it. I'd join a church like that. I'd join a church like that. A church that was an inclusive and welcoming family. May God help us to be that kind of church family. Let us pray. I have a father He calls me his own He'll never leave me 
no matter where I go. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. Let's sing it to one another and to the world. You have a father. He calls you his own. He'll never leave you, no matter where you go. He knows your name. He knows your every thought. He sees each that falls and hears you when you call. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for welcoming and including us into your family. Please help us to welcome and include especially those who feel excluded. They feel excluded by you and your family. We pray this in the name of your Son, who loves us all. Amen.